Hello and welcome back to the newest women's Australian rules football podcast brought to you by Rookie Me Central. I'm your host and Rookie Me Chief Editor Peter Williams and this is Game Sense. You might remember me from our other football podcast, Final Siren. That'll still be recording once the boys season gets up and about, but with all the content uh, through the boys and girls seasons, we'll be splitting them this year so we can focus properly on each development pathway. In game sense, I'm joined, as I will be each week, by women's football analyst Elise Collette. Elise, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. We hope you've had a safe Christmas and New Year's break and ready to get stuck into the footy season. Today, we're previewing the first round of the AFL women's competition, which kicks off on Friday night. We'll also hear from a couple of Sample women's captains with their season just a month away from starting. Glenelg Premiership captain Ali Kellogg and Sturt captain Maya Rigda both have different journeys and they spoke to Rookie Me Central at the South Australian Preseason Testing Day. All that and more in today's episode of Game Sense, brought to you by Rookie Me Central. We're going to kick off the AFL Women's Round 1 preview, thanks to Game Sense. Uh, today, looking at Friday night game, under lights at Frankston Skybus Stadium, 7.15, Friday, January 7. St Kilda and Richmond are kicking us off this year and it's quite a fascinating sort of first round, I guess, opening round match. We weren't really expecting to be the season opener, but uh, a unique season comes with unique challenges and that's what we have down in Frankston. So uh, obviously two of the newer sides in the competition. They've been around for a couple of seasons now, but in basically, if we look at the head-to-head, in the side's only other meeting, they've only met the once, was a couple of years ago, back in their inaugural seasons, when the Saints blew away the Tigers in a battle of the expansion clubs at RSEA Park. Both in their first seasons, the Saints kicked a couple of goals early to lead by 13 points at quarter time, before Richmond managed to keep their opponents scoreless in the second term and cut the deficit to 11. After that, it was all red, white and black at Moorabbin as St Kilda piled on 4-5 to 1 behind after half-time to win 6-6-42 to 3 behinds in a 39-point victory. Rosie Dillon picked up 18 disposals and 7 clearances in the win, with Liv Vesely had 16 disposals, 3 clearances, and Georgia Patrikios 14 disposals, 4 clearances. Also impressive. Caitlin Greiser slammed home 3 goals for the winners, while for the Tigers it was no surprise to see Monique Conti a clear star racking up 22 disposals, 4 marks, 4 clearances, and 3 inside 50s in a best on ground performance. Grace Campbell and Phoebe Monaghan were also among the best, but have since left the club. So obviously coming into this season, it's the first game of the year. Neither of these teams are yet to play an official match. Uh, We do know that they uh, both played pre-season practice matches and went down to their respective opponents with Carlton and Geelong uh, in those games. Now we come into the season start. We're playing for points. There's no turning back. Basically, what we're going to do is we're going to look at three keys to the game uh, and then... Elise is going to discuss potentially where this game might be won and lost or some of the players to keep an eye out for. So from my perspective, three keys to this game are it's a must win for Richmond. We know that St Kilda are going to be without Georgia Patrikios, without Tiana Smith. Richmond notoriously have had, you know, that inconsistent sort of starts. Um, They were a lot better last year, but they've just got to really get this off uh, with a bang, really. Uh, we know that they're going to be probably in the bottom half of the ladder, but they are improving. They're going to be without Ali McKenzie, which will hurt. But we know that they've got the potential to really dominate that midfield, given the losses for the Saints. The other points, Saints have a very experienced defense, which will be quite interesting 
to see whether they can take advantage of a Richmond forward line without Sabrina Frederick in it. But what Richmond must do above all else is play some of their kids. They've got Stella Reid in. They've got Amelia Yassir who could potentially play. Ingrid Hootsma is another long-term option. The fresh faces bring them in. So Richmond, I think, must play the kids uh, where the Saints are obviously looking for ways to fill up those players that they've lost. So Elise, how do you sort of assess this game? This match is fascinating for me. Not the season opener, predicted, predicted season opener, like you said, but it is what it is and you just go with the flow. It's a couple of different battles that are that are going to intrigue me, particularly in that, that Richmond forward line versus a very strong, experienced St Kilda defence. For St Kilda, you've got the likes of Jacobson, Lucas Rod, McCarthy, Priest, Van Dyke, all down there. A lot of experience and a lot of talent versus... Very inexperienced Richmond forward line, missing Sabrina, like you said. But they do have they do have Katie Brennan, which is always a plus. But where's where's that next option? Because if she gets tagged or has a quiet game, then who's going to be able to step up in in her place? Maybe someone like a Wakefield, maybe a Stella Reed. Who knows? But that's going to be an intriguing little battle. And the midfield is going to be interesting as well. On the one hand, you've got St Kilda who's missing Patrikios, missing Smith. And on the other hand, you've got Richmond who are missing Ellie McKenzie, but also have Mon Conti who's coming off her first full AFLW preseason ever because she's dropped her basketball commitments. So how much will a full preseason affect Conti and, and just improve her? So yeah, I'm intrigued to see which way this battle goes. Absolutely. Uh, and what tip do you give for this game? Who do you reckon's getting up? I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to back the Saints just. Yeah, I. It's it's really tough to sort of decide between these teams because they're obviously both missing quality players. Um, whether or not they can get up, like in Franks, and I think St Kilda do have the better top end, but I think that the midfield of Richmond could really make a difference even without McKenzie. So I'll probably go Richmond just um but i think it will be a close one uh so everyone loves a good friday night fixture and just over a month away on friday night the reigning sample women's premiers glenelg will travel to cooper stadium to play norwood the bays had an outstanding year this year and leading from the front was captain ali kellock speaking to the premiership skipper at the south australian pre-season testing day she spoke about her hunger to go back to back and how she's eyeing off rising to the next level here is ali kellock speaking to rookie me centrals Peter Williams. Give us a bit of a rundown into your football journey and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so always wanted to play as a younger girl, but um, being in the country up in Burrow, I didn't really have those opportunities. So stuck with netball and every other sport under the sun and then got the opportunity when I moved down to Sacred Heart to, to play for school. So I played at Marymount and from there, um, one of the umpires said, oh, do you want to come out and play for Morphy's Park? And so I went into the junior program there and um, opened up opportunities to go into play with seniors and then state um, sides as well and then um, was zoned to Glenelg which um, was a place I always wanted to go to anyway but um, to be zoned there was yeah blessing. And, and so you've had that sort of rise over through Glenelg and, and coming up as well through the leadership captaining the club what's that sort of been like for you? 
Yeah, it's been unreal. I think um, when you're fresh out of school and you get into a program um, that's also fresh in itself, being um, there from the start, it was lovely to see that Glenelg put their hand up to be inaugural um, side in the competition, which was awesome. And then um, obviously seeing the girls like Cass Hartley, Lex Edwards and um, M Woods work their way into the program and, and really yeah stamp their foot always inspired me to do, do the same and following those leadership roles and that sort of stuff so yeah those girls that were in the roles before me definitely um open up a lot of eyes uh, insight to to my eyes and um yeah i've opened up a lot of opportunities and, and la oh this year i should say we're almost at the next year but this year obviously great year for the club and yourself obviously coming through and, and captaining club what, what was that like that experience yeah the the big w on the end was not bad was it? <laughs> it was nice to get that win i think um yeah, it's a testimony to all the hard work and um, we always had a long-term project ahead of us when we were having 20 players each year coming in um, and, and debuting pretty much every one of them. So it's always a, um, a struggle to get there. But I think um, what we've worked out over the past three years is to build and retain um, some players too, which has been good. And um, yeah, that was the result with the culture and building great relationships and that sort of stuff has sort of led us to the win, which was good. And on that day, like everyone sort of has a moment. Do you know the moment that you'd won it? Like, was there a moment <laughs> you remember in your head? Because generally everyone does. So <laughs> That's do my you... favourite question. Yeah. Um, that night, my response was in the first 30 seconds. Um, we kicked a goal in the first 30 seconds of the game. You could just see everyone was um, up and about. But f when I really reflect back and I look at it now, I think in the last quarter, about five, mi five to six minutes to go, you just knew that a couple of goals ahead and we had majority of the play, which was just really settling, which was nice to know. Yeah, awesome. And, and from an individual perspective, what do you sort of see as your strengths on the field? Um, strengths, I think, um, is my is my ability to work through a contest. Um, when I find the ball, I seem to find a way to get out, my agility, and that's come back from netball days and um, definitely my voice. I think my voice and leadership on, on the ground is probably um, the part that, yeah, brings my game up and, and others around me, which is important. And what are you looking to improve on next year? Um, want to get my fitness up, being 16 aside, so it's obviously a lot more work rate, so fitness is going to have to improve. Um, and I just want to get some distance in my kick, um, get the some 35 to 40 range to 40 to 45 range in kicking length, yeah, both legs. And, and what do you sort of see as the key differences with those rule changes coming in? What do you think you'll have to adapt to most as a team? Um, well, fitness is going to be a big one, being um, losing two uh, on each side. And then um, I think also being able to work it out of defence, even though we've got um, the anti-density that will limit that congestion, it's still going to be hard because it's one less kick that you're going to have mm. as an option. Mm. Um, so, yeah, working out of defence, you're really going to have to just kick to space and, and hope that your girls get there, I think, is going to be the key to it. Perfect. And at 2022, what's your ultimate sort of goal, do you think, by the end of the year? Um, another premiership would be nice for the club, I think, and also just continuing to build that club culture um, with the men's side as well. Um, we've got a really good bond there and a great bunch of lads there that really want to be a part of our program and vice versa. So I think that's really important. Um, individually, um, like to go to the next level, a um, bit like Batesy, if it happens, uh, that's great. If it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you got to look at it in a perspective that it's an opportunity to get in there. Um, but yeah, that would be the ultimate goal, um, personally. Perfect. Thanks very much. That was Glenelg's Ali Kellogg speaking about the whirlwind year that was 2021 for the Bays.
In that year, they won their maidens women's premiership in the Sanford women's competition, defeating West Adelaide in the grand final. Going to be interesting to see how they perform again this year. You're listening to Game Sense, thanks to Rookie Me Central, and now we'll run through the three Saturday games in round one of the AFL women's competition. So to kick off Saturday action, North Melbourne take on Geelong at their home uh, ground, if you like, or North's home ground of Arden Street on Saturday, January 8 at 5.10pm. So this is going to be a fascinating contest because obviously, though they're not the newer expansion teams, they were the, I guess, original expansion teams, if you like. So basically where they're going to take off is the sides have played twice. They've both come at GMHBA Stadium and both of them have gone heavily in favour of the Roos. So in round 6 2020, the Roos dominated the Cats to win by 46 points and uh, really looked far too good throughout the day. A year later, they opened the season at GMHBA Stadium and the result foreboded a long season for the Cats as the Roos kept them scoreless for three quarters and ran out 62-point winners. Despite the best efforts of Livio Purcell and Demby Taylor, who combined for 10 clearances, Ali Gavilis, Emma King and Jazz Garner all kicked multiple goals, with Emma King also dominating the ruck. Both Emma Carney and Ash Riddell had big games, as they did in the first game against the Cats, whilst Meg McDonald has been consistent throughout both meetings. Again, it's the first game of the year for these sides, but both came away with wins in the preseason. North Melbourne had a huge victory over Western Bulldogs at Witten Oval in pretty tough uh, hot conditions uh, while the Cats came away with a big win over the Tigers as well. So uh, both these teams heading in with form. So a few keys to this game before we get stuck into the discussion. I think the North might be a bit too strong in the ruck. Uh, That's how it's played out the last couple of games. And obviously uh, now that Astro O'Connor's retired, it's going to be up to Ren Karras and potentially Liv Fullart to battle up against Emma King and... um, others who might pinch hit in there. So North might be a little strong through the ruck, uh, where if you look at this, the Cats are also missing a couple of the young guns in Denby Taylor and Millie Brown against a very versatile ruse attack. But then they do regain in the midfield uh, where they've been able to get Georgie Presparkers come in uh, and they're obviously going to get Nina Morrison back, which is a couple of really elite prospects for the future. Uh, and then Geelong kids are going to be something special. So exactly how much can they produce? How much can Prisparkus uh, and co. be able to really stand up and drive Geelong up the ladder? There's quite a few things to this game. So, Elise, how are you sort of seeing this game pan out? Another interesting matchup to to begin the season. History does suggest that it'll be another good win for North. Geelong, yeah, Geelong are an interesting side because they've got a lot of talent coming in, but how how do they replace someone like Asta who is an absolute star, an absolute legend of the sport. And how do they how do they stop North's attack? Because you've got the likes of Emma King and Jazz Garner in that forward lane, plus midfielders like Caitlin Ashmore and Ash Riddell, who also sneak forward and kick plenty of goals themselves. Yeah, I I have to tip North. I reckon they'll just be too strong again. Yeah, I have a feeling uh, we look at last time they played, Emma King had 10 disposals, 30 hitouts, and three goals compared to a tag team of Astro O'Connor and Ren Karras who combined for 10 disposals, 16 hitouts, and one goal. So now that the Cats will be with O'Connor and have Fuller instead, uh, it'll be interesting to see whether she can potentially um, change those fortunes uh, if named. 
because uh, I dare say they will go with two rucks against North Melbourne, given Emma King's dominance over the years. So uh, it's also worth noting that they may be without Emma Kearney at the time of recording uh, the news had surfaced that she'd had two positive tests. So potentially she might not be in this game for North. So that's a pretty huge loss. Um, but in saying that, I, I think it's too hard to overlook North uh, with the depth they have. I think Geelong are going to improve a lot. I don't think it'll be that sort of 7-8 goal margin that we've seen from these teams. I think they can cut it down to probably a few goals. But in saying that, uh, I do think North Melbourne will be a bit too strong, especially at Arden Street. So moving on to the third game, uh, or the second game of the Saturday, uh, Western Bulldogs are up against Melbourne. Now, obviously, uh, we're talking about rivals and uh you know first round matches this was the one that a lot of people hoped to see and it did eventuate not for the first game but for the round at least uh and it is a night game so it's down at Witten Oval from 7 p.m uh it's great we've got Melbourne and Bulldogs have played five times uh Melbourne are leading 3-2 but the Bulldogs do have the wood over them the last time they met last year so Basically, looking through the history, and we do know they've had quite a long history, um, but just for the AFL women's side of the history, uh, the Demons won the first encounter by 14 points in round three of the 2017 season. The next two games were decided by a combined three points as the Bulldogs won by two in 2018, and then the Dees got up by a point in 2019. Melbourne then had its biggest win in round two of 2020 against the Dogs with a 20-point win before the Bulldogs returned serve in round four of last year, winning by the highest margin they had against the Dees, 13 points. So of the Bulldogs playing in that initial first game back in 2017, Brooke Lachlan, Ali Blackburn, Kirsten McLeod, Lise Gamble, Bailey Hunt and Hannah Scott remain in the red, white and blue. For the Demons, Karen Paxman, Daisy Pearce, Sarah Lampard, Shelley Scott, Lily Mithen and Lauren Pearce. Uh, are still there. Well, in a funny twist, Deanna Berry and Libby Birch also played in the first game, but they were obviously on the opposition sides. So now they're in the other colours. Uh, again, first game of the year for these sides coming into round one. Melbourne uh, ran away with it in the final quarter against Collingwood, whilst the Bulldogs had a game they'd probably rather forget going down to North uh, in their practice game over at Whitnoble. But uh, obviously at the night, they're not going to have the heat, but they also still got a few injuries uh, that missed out on that practice game that they had to have top-up players. So it'll be interesting to see the makeup of the Bulldogs squad for this game. Uh, I think a few keys to this game. Obviously, you look at Melbourne's depth, it's probably going to be a bit too strong for the uh, younger Bulldogs. So really, they should win the midfield. Um, they've got the more experience in there. I guess the big question mark for the Ds is matching up on the Dogs' key forwards. We know they've got some big, uh, big players down there. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see how they deal with those. Um, but then the bigger question potentially is, based on last year, can the Ds capitalise on their chances? Because uh, they had 17 more clearances in that loss, uh, 32 to 15, uh, and won the inside 50s by double, 19-38 uh, to 19, but could literally not hit the side of a barn door, keep booting 2-12-24 to the Dogs 6-1-37. So... Outside of goal kicking, which was the main issue in that game, the Ds would also look at the fact that the Dogs took 20 more marks, which was 51 to 31, um, in what was otherwise statistically a Melbourne dominance. So there's a couple of areas for the Ds to work on. Uh, Elise, how do you sort of look at this game and, and whether those sides improve on those different aspects? Yeah, this is an interesting one. Um, Melbourne should win. Their their depth, is, as you said, is is a lot stronger and... They, they are a better side, but 
the back of my head is always there's always that game last year where Melbourne did not have their kicking boots on at all and they were in the, the middle of their what I like to call mid-season slump that's become a bit of a pattern. Uh, but yeah, honestly, I think this should be a, a Melbourne win because if you think of who, particularly in that, that midfield, who the, who the Ds have got, the likes of Lil Myth and Karen Paxman, Daisy, oh, not Daisy anymore, but um, even like Eden Zanker and Jackie Harry will come in and out and come in and out of the forward line as well. So the versatility that Melbourne have got is just is just too strong because if you look at the Bulldogs, they're missing the likes of Deanna Berry and Gabby Newton, who are both huge outs. And if you take remember back to the practice match the Bulldogs had, Ellie Blackburn was just trying to trying to uh, guide her team and trying to lift them, but she's only one player, and football is a team sport for a reason. Yeah, and I think the additions that Melbourne have got as well, particularly particularly in the forward line, the likes of the likes of Taylor Harris, is yeah, going to make things very difficult for the Bulldogs. But at the same time, Kirsten McLeod and Bonnie Tugood are very very tricky players to try and match up on. So the Ds will definitely have to do their homework in order to get the win. It's going to be an interesting one. Um, I mean, I probably don't really need to ask you for your tip. I presume you're going to go with Melbourne on that one, but. <laughs> Um, I'll also go with Melbourne in that game. Uh, although, as you as you alluded to, uh, it might be a bit closer than uh, it might look at first glance. Although the practice match, uh, the Dogs will want to improve vastly on that performance. Now we take a look at the final game for the Saturday action. It's over in the West, and Fremantle are playing West Coast in one of the shifted games. That I guess, in many ways, these guys were going to play different opponents coming in, but. Now we're going to see the two West Australian teams facing off for the second time in, well, I guess two and a half weeks. So the Dockers and Eagles have played three times and the Dockers have come away with a win each time. There was a close one in the second clash, but otherwise Fremantle have had the uh, the win pretty easily in, in the past, or the two either side of that. So in the first ever clash back in round two, 2020, the Dockers ran out 45 point winners. A year later, the Eagles put up a far more of a fight and even looked like causing a massive upset before going down by nine points. The Dockers resumed business as usual four rounds later, though, as they ran out 67-point winners. Nine goals to one through the second and third quarters was the difference. Gemma Houghton kicked five goals, Sabrina Duffy three, and Roxy Rude two, while Kiara Bowers, Ebony Antonio, and Hayley Miller all had days out. And if we go after that, they've had a practice game, as we said, a couple of weeks back, and... It was the Eagles who got the upset. So it'll be very interesting to see whether that will continue in this game or whether or not Fremantle will address their slow starts to the game. And we look at the three keys to the game, which was, was the practice match foreboding this contest or was it potentially an outlier and the Dockers will take control? West Coast have gone the youth route, particularly through their draft, picking up players such as Charlie Thomas, Courtney Rowley, who are already genuine guns at under-18s level and could really worry Fremantle with their ball use. But the Dockers' marks inside 50 are a problem. In the 67-point win, the Eagles overhandballed, running at almost 50% handballs to kicks, whilst the Dog- Dockers almost had double the amount of kicks to handballs. They flogged them in every way possible with 37 and 19 inside 50s, 29 to 16 clearances, and 122 to 89 contested possessions. Fremantle took a whopping 14 contested marks to four, 70 to 33 total marks, and the real key stat: 15 marks inside 50 to none. So. With all that in mind, Elise, 
what do you think needs to happen in this game? Do you think Fremantle will continue their run, or do you think the practice match perhaps suggested that Eagles are looking good for an upset? Hmm. Yeah, this is a tricky one because Freo are a vastly superior side, but West Coast really impressed me in that practice match. And I think the first quarter in particular is going to be a very telling sign because for the last over a year now, Frio have been absolutely shocking in, with their first quarters. Very slow starters. So if they can finally reverse that trend, so to speak, then yeah, Freo win easy. But West Coast have proven that if they get a good start and keep Freo quiet, then they can they can run over the top. So I am going to tip Freo, but yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if it's a if it's another close game. Yeah, I think it will be a close game uh, between the Dockers and the Eagles. Uh, it's, it's probably a bit tough to pick, but I'm going to go with Fremantle. I think they will bounce back after learning a few things from that practice match, and I think they're going to be favourites heading into the game. And if they're going to be a serious contender this year, they just need to beat the Eagles, simple as that. So uh, coming into the next segment, uh, now that the Saturday night games are done, we'll move on to the... Uh, other rescheduled game between the Crows and the Lions after we hear from Sturt captain Mayo Rigda. So Mayo Rigda's been battling a foot injury over the last couple of years uh, and the double blues have sort of been consistent over the past four years since they came into the Sanford women's. But the issue is that uh, they haven't quite been able to make finals yet. They've really prioritized youth at the club. And I think that that's been great for them. You've seen a lot of players come through. They've lost a couple to the AFLW. Jess Good came in last season and is now on Carlton's lift list. And then you've got Zoe Prowse, who uh, has gone to Adelaide. So they've lost a couple of real tall talents. Uh, but basically, at the South Australian preseason testing combine, I spoke to Maya Richter about Sturt's chances uh, and whether she thinks they're going to make finals this year and, and how her foot's coming along because it'd be great to see her back out there. She uh, is a terrific inside midfielder who's been playing a bit in defence um, to try and sort of deal with that ongoing foot issue. Take it away, Maya Rigda at the South Australian Preseason Testing Day. Just give us a bit of a rundown into your footy journey and how you get to where you are now. Yeah, um, I started off in 2016 at Morfittville Park, so... Um, footy wasn't actually really a big thing back then. That was the year before it all blew up. Um, but yeah, went down and, um, trained with a few of the senior girls there and then played under 18s for a couple of years. Um, did the state program, um, 2018, I think it was. And then in the midst of that 2017 did juniors at Sturt and then was lucky enough to get asked to be a part of the league team in 2018. And, um, this will be my fifth year of league now. So that's where I've been ever since. Yeah. Perfect. So, I mean, coming through that program uh, and then rising so to have that co-captains and captaincy, what's that sort of been like for you having that leadership? Yeah, um, it was, uh, so 2019, I was um, voted into the leadership group as an 18-year-old at the time. So I was quite young and then only the next year to be voted co-captain um, at 19 years old. I was I was pretty young. Um so then to, yeah, it, it was a really good experience. And then um, I've, I've learned heaps. So the last, you know, year and now this year, again, we've just done a leadership vote and um, go around captain again. Um, it, it's a big responsibility, but it's something that I thrive off. And I think the last couple of years I've had um, a bit of a nasty injury. So I haven't, I guess, been able to um, 
play as well as I would have would have liked, but it's given me a chance to focus on my leadership, um, which is you know you you got to focus on what you can do, um, not on what you can't. So it's been really good. Yeah, and obviously you sort of was sharing that role with sort of Georgia Bevan, and and then she got drafted, so it was kind of back to you with the way you were what was that like seeing someone within your team that maybe I know she played previously but sort of getting that drafted a, a few years down again um like not necessarily at 18 so you've still yeah. got that chance is that something you aspire to or yeah for sure um yeah it's we've seen it with a few girls I think like even last year we had um Jess Good come in and I actually coached her at Blackwood and it's weird because I'm only 21 now I was coaching her at 20 and she's you know mid 20s 25 mm. and then she you know Blackwood straight to Sturton now she's on Carlton's list so it's really good to see all these girls getting an opportunity like Zoe and we obviously had Jess Foley in our first year so um, it's, it's really awesome and it's definitely something I aspire to and especially this year with Port coming in um, I really want to get my body right because I've had a nasty foot injury so a um, couple surgeries later and I really want to have a big year so unfortunate not to be testing today but um, yeah that you know everything happens for a reason so um, it's given me a chance to focus on other things and set up from here perfect and just mentioning those names uh what are you going to do about the rock situation this year <laughs> yeah that's a good one that's what uh, we've been asking ourselves but um yeah we've got uh alex has come um from basketball we got a girl come from basketball so she'll probably be um one of the rocks in the mix and we've also got amy brooks as well so we've got a few tools there but you're right we did lose um <laughs> a fair bit of height to the to the draft and obviously they're both very good players um, to be drafted as well and quality humans as well so we're going to miss them but um, yeah that that will be an area that we're definitely working on. Perfect and for yourself personally what do you see as your strengths? Probably I guess leadership would be one of them Um, and that's something I focused on the last couple of years and then um, I feel footy wise my, my tackle pressure and contested ball so I like um, yeah, kind of getting in and doing the hard yards. It might not be the cleanest stuff, but it's um, I don't mind being bottom of the pack and, um, yeah, tackling people down and staying tight on them. So that's what I would consider my strength, yeah. Perfect. And what are you hoping to improve on? Uh, number one thing at the moment is I need to get my body right. So um, I've been very fortunate enough to have a very good surgeon, uh, very good physio, very good med team looking after me. So, um, yeah, get my body right and then in for a big season. Definitely need to work on my overhead marking. Um, that's a big one for me. And I've got quite a young side. Do you think um, 2022 might be the year you can sort of push into that final series? For sure. We've been saying it for the last, you know, few years, but we're at the point now where, you know, we we don't want to just talk about it anymore. Let's actually go out and do it. So um, it's all, you know, well and good saying it, but let's actually put it into action. We had a uh, bit of a culture session on Friday, uh, Thursday night so that's what we talked about we said you know it all starts with us it's not even up to the coaches as much it's you know what do we want to get out of ourselves as players and um, it starts with training hard and doing all the right things off field as well diet sleep you know all that recovery and um, yeah this year we well you know we really want to make finals. Perfect so uh, on the back of that uh, within the next 12 months what are your sort of goals you want to tick off? Uh, finals would be the first one. Um, and then also just having a, um, really good consistent season. Cause I feel like, um, I've, I've probably been a bit frustrated with myself personally the last two years, just because I can't seem to get any luck at the moment with it. It's literally just one injury in my foot. But, um, if anyone that's had a foot injury will understand that it's quite frustrating. Um, but as I said before, I've had a great team looking after me. So just to get back playing and play consistently without pain, um, that will actually probably be the biggest thing for me personally. And then as a team, we really want to win more than three games because that's what the maximum amount of games we won the last, 
you know, four seasons. We want to win more than that and make finals. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's pretty much it. So thanks awesome. So thanks for having me. That was Sturt Captain Mayor Rigder talking to Rookie Me Central, the South Australian pre-season testing day. You're listening to Game Sense, and we'll now run through the three Sunday games in the AFL Women's Round 1 action. So kicking off the Sunday games, we're going to start with Adelaide and Brisbane, a grand final rematch in another sort of shifted changed up game we weren't expecting a grand final rematch this early in the season but it's happened uh because of uh the COVID and borders with western australia so brisbane are traveling to flinders university stadium in south adelaide so they'll be playing from 2 10 p.m and basically these guys have played more times than any other side exactly equal with uh brisbane and collingwood funnily enough but uh with this match it means these two opponents will officially take outright lead of the most times an opponent has played each other. So Brisbane actually lead the count 4-2, to two, which is pretty impressive considering Adelaide's been good basically every season they've played. And basically what it will mean is that Brisbane, who were able to get revenge in the grand final last year, uh, after Adelaide beat them in their season. Like during the season, they beat them up in Brisbane, then Brisbane beat them down in Adelaide. And What's so fascinating about that is in the inaugural season, it was Adelaide who won the grand final up in Brisbane after Brisbane had beaten Adelaide in Adelaide earlier that year. So what you can take from that is it's probably in more in the advantage of Brisbane to be playing in Adelaide because they tend to win away, both these sides. So throwing back to the 2021 AFLW grand final, and I'm sure Brisbane fans will remember very fondly, they kicked three goals to zero in the third term to break away and win by 18 points to claim their first women's flag. Emily Bates and Ellie Anderson both racked up 23 touches and combined for seven clearances, but it was Kate Lutkins who dominated with 18 disposals, six marks and 10 rebounds. The Lions' defence that included Bree Conan and Nat Grider also stood up, whilst Courtney Hodder's first goal of the game was one to save her. For the Crows, Anne Hatchard, Stevie Lee Thompson and Ebony Marinoff all found plenty of the ball. So again, first game of the year, uh, we know that the Lions are coming off a huge win against the Suns, whilst the Crows were unable to play due to GWS unfortunately having to pull out after Nicola Barr uh, contracted COVID and they wanted to take it easy. So Crows are coming in having not played since that grand final against the Lions, which will be a really interesting one to see how they front up whilst the Lions are playing up against the Suns or were playing against the Suns, who are probably not in the same ballpark as Adelaide, to be fair to them. So uh, looking at the three keys to the game, uh, Adelaide at home in a grand final rematch, realistically should never be hungrier season opener than this one, trying to take down the team that took the flag from them. So it's going to be really interesting to see their motivations, where Brisbane, uh, as we sort of alluded to, got the hit out against the Suns, uh, and have lost players since the grand final, we're, we're going to see them really step up against a quality opponent. Let's see whether they can go to that next level uh, and take on the Crows uh, down in Adelaide. Uh, and both sides will get their chances. Uh, we know that basically the Lions were able to get through and kick those few goals. We're up the other end. The Crows had more opportunities. Uh, they actually had 20 more inside 50s, 44 to 24. Uh but the Lions had 40 rebounds to 18, showcasing the strength of the Lions' defence and frustrating the usually high-powered Crows' attack. We also know that Chloe Shear is now headed off to Geelong, which takes another option out of that attack. But another season down um, with Aaron Phillips, Chelsea Randall returning. Of course, she missed that game through concussion. Great inclusion for this match. Uh, it's going to be a real interesting one to see who wins. Um, it's a fair case to 
put it as game of the round realistically because these are two of the contenders. They were the two best sides from last year. So, Elise, how do you sort of assess this match? Hmm. Yeah, very even. I I, I don't know who to tip, honestly, because, yeah, as you said, Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane are the statistical favourite because they are playing away, but Adelaide are also not playing at Norwood, which is their historical stranglehold ground. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because Brisbane are a lot younger side than they were for the grand final last year because they're missing the likes of Jesse Keefe, Rianne Lug and Emma Zilke, who all retired. I don't want to say they proved that they're still they're still the same side because Gold Coast are not at the same level as Adelaide. There's no point in denying that. I'm struggling to work out who I'm, I'm going to tip because it really, really could go either way. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I, I think I'm... I reckon I'll go with Adelaide in this one. Uh, it's going to be interesting only because it is a sort of first game out of the park. Um, Brisbane, I think, are going to be a fantastic side this year. They looked very, very good against the Suns. Um, I have a feeling it'll probably be very, very different conditions. Obviously, a lot more pressure. Um, yeah, it's going to be very, very hard to pick. But I think I'll go with Brisbane because I'm looking forward to seeing just how many of those young players they actually bring up uh, through their academy because they have had... Quite a few come through. Maggie Harmer, Michaela Pauger, uh, Bella Smith uh, are a few of those that have come through in the last 12 months uh, through their academy and now being drafted. So it's going to be real interesting to see how they perform. Uh, while the Crows obviously have quite a few options, um, they haven't really lost a great deal in the offseason. So I, I can't see them getting any weaker. Uh, I still think they're probably the team to beat for mine, but we'll see what happens uh, throughout the year. Uh, so... So now we're going to move on to the Carlton-Collingwood game, which is the sole game in Victoria on the Sunday. They're playing at Icon Park from 4.10pm. So the traditional rivals have played five times in their history. And after Carlton won the first three, Collingwood's won the last two. So it's been quite a fascinating journey for both these teams. The Blues won the first game by 35 points. But ever since then, the games have been contested by under 20 points, including five and six-point games. Last year, the Magpies won by a straight kick in what was a really fascinating contest. So Britt Benici had 22 disposals, 4 clearances, teaming up well with Jamie Lambert, 18 disposals, 7 clearances, and Brianna Davey, 15 disposals, 4 clearances. For the Blues, Madison Presparkas, Grace Egan, and Mimi Hill were all among the best. So basically, the first game of this year, the Blues are coming off a win over the Saints in the practice match, whilst the Pies are coming off a loss to the Ds, though... Similar to what we were mentioning before with the Suns, those opponents are quite a bit different in uh, uh, quality, you would imagine, for this year. So it's going to be an interesting one to see who can get on top. Uh, we know that Carlton's lost a lot of experience as one of the keys to the game. Uh, we know that Katie Loins, Chloe Dalton have headed up to GWS, uh, and Alison Downey's, of course, headed over to the Magpies, which will be quite interesting to see how she goes in the ruck with a point to prove against her old side. We do know they've got Jess Delpos coming in, which will help with some of the experience. But the Blues are also in a semi-rebuilding phase. They've brought in a number of young talents, including Annie Lee, Keely Sharar, Brooke Vickers, and Poppy Sharp, who are all potentially able to feature early in the season. The trick will be trying to contain Collingwood's forward line. We do know that they've got quite a large forward line if they wanted to put it all out between Sabrina Frederick, Imogen Barnett, Sophie Alexander, uh, Eloise Chaston even. 
uh, they've got quite a few options that can rotate through there and become marking targets after initially, not long ago, having a smaller forward line. Then, of course, you've got the dangers of Chloe Molloy at ground level, which will be really fascinating to see after she missed the practice game. So coming into this game, you would have to say the Collingwood are a premiership contender, so realistically, it's a must-win game for them. Carlton are considered a mid-table team and looking back to break back into finals. So to get that, you'd want a huge scalp to start the season and build up the confidence. Either of these teams could theoretically win it, but it's going to be a real interesting to see who can get on top early, particularly through that midfield. So Elise, give us a bit of a rundown to these teams and uh, what makes this game quite interesting. Yeah, fascinating game, as they all are this weekend. Carlton are an interesting one because, as you said, they are in a bit of a, a semi-rebuilding phase because they lost a lot of experience and talent at the end of last year. If you just take a look at the list of their outs from the end of last season, Chloe Dalton has gone up to GWS. Taylor Harris went across to Melbourne. Jess Hosking went across to Richmond. Katie Loins also went up to GWS. And Alison Downey was delisted and then is now at Collingwood. So that's a fair chunk of their, their best 21 just out the door. They have brought in a lot of young talent. I'm intrigued to see in particular how Imogen Milford goes if she gets a game early on because she was very good, very strong forward target for Casey in the VFLW last year. But it be interesting to see whether she's able to get a chance to step up and improve herself at AFLW level. Jess Delpos will be a great inclusion for Carlton and will help a lot in trying to contain Collingwood's forward line because as we saw in the, the practice match, they were just that Collingwood forward line is a scary proposition for any any opposition coming up against them because you've got you've got Sabrina Frederick and Imogen Barnett alone, let alone players like Chloe Malloy, who didn't even play in the practice match. So, yeah, I would not wanting to be an opposition coach trying to match up on that. So I'm going to tip the pies. But if if the Blues do cause a bit of an upset here, I, I also won't be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. I think it will be a pretty interesting game. I will go with Collingwood in this one. Now we're going to move on to the final game of the AFL Women's Round 1 action. It's between the Gold Coast and GWS Giants. On Sunday, January 9 at Great Barrier Reef Arena in Mackay, 6.10pm. So these sides have played twice and they've both been quite low scoring contests. Of course, we know the first time they played, the Giants won in that uh, memorable encounter, 139 to 128. Uh, and then last year, they defeated the Suns 2618 to 128. So we know that through this, it's generally a low scoring game, although we do remember that the uh, the weather does have a lot to do with it. So... We're hoping that perhaps there might be a bit more scoring or potentially if there is uh, some weather issues that we're going to see another great contest because despite the scores, it was quite tense throughout the game. We know that Elise Parker and Beck Beeson uh, both came out and had 47 disposals combined as well as 32 contested possessions, 12 tackles and 11 clearances. So those two uh, combined had a real great day out through the midfield while Alicia Eva was also busy. For the Suns, Alison Drennan had 22 disposals and 9 clearances and was outstanding in the midfield, while Lauren Ahrens and Jamie Stanton also were among the best. In the first game of the year, the Suns are coming off a heavy loss to the Lions, whilst the COVID-19 case to Nicola Barr saw the Giants game with the Crows cancelled. So three keys to this match. Gold Coast has not won a game since the 2020 season, which is a long time between drinks. 
So they're going to be pretty keen to come out. And realistically, it's against an opponent that they would see as potentially winnable. The GWS Giants inside midfield's enormous. We know the strength they've got in there. Parker, Beeson, and even Eva when she comes on the outside and is able to win the ball going forward. They've got a really strong midfield. So the Giants need to take full advantage of that, whilst for the Suns, they've got a new coach in Cameron Joyce, who was a mastermind behind the Tassie Devils revival, and has brought in some young kids, as well as some experienced prospects, to really drive them up the ladder. And I think they will improve on their season last year, though, again, going winless, it's not too difficult to improve on that. So hopefully we see a few more wins for the Suns, uh, because they do have quite a few exciting kids. So basically what we've seen is both sides have played young kids over the past couple of years, but the Giants have recruited more experience this year to cover the loss of Jess Delpos by Chloe Dalton, Katie Loins, and Jazz Grierson all coming in. So keeping that in mind, Elise, how do you sort of assess that game? Yeah, interesting little battle because, as you mentioned, previous matches have been low scoring, but at least one of those matches was heavily rain-affected. So I don't think we'll have those kinds of conditions in Mackay on the weekend, but... Who knows? Weather is, as Melbournians, we know that weather can be very unpredictable sometimes. GWS have got have brought in quite a lot of experience and talent as well, which covers the the loss of Jess Delpos easily because you've brought in Jazz Grierson, Kay Lines, and Chloe Dalton. Gold Coast, on the other hand, I'm pleased that they brought in someone like Tara Bahana, who is a proven forward, but she need she needs to stay in that forward line. Hear her or Perkins because that the practice match proved that they need the tall target down there. But Perkins and Bahana were both playing more up the ground. So if they can keep one of them down there, so to speak, or find someone else to to stand up and be that tall target, then that's going to make things a lot easier for them. But in saying that, I think GWS are just too strong and and should get the win yeah i also agree i think uh gws will probably get the win though the fact that it is up north uh will suit the suns perfectly really uh in terms of their uh what they've trained in and and the weather conditions so and obviously getting used to that stadium so it's good to see them playing uh up in north queensland not just on the gold coast so really fascinating contest to keep an eye on so basically that wraps us up today so thanks very much elise uh, for joining me on Game Sense, uh, we'd also like to thank the interviewees Ali Callock and Maya Rigda, who featured on the show today. And a special thank you to women's football analyst Elise Collette for joining me again on this new podcast. Thank you for having me. So that's episode three of Game Sense in the books. Make sure you subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're going to have plenty of content over the next few months in the lead up and during all the state league competitions. Also, be sure to check out our written content at central.rookieme.com slash AFL, where you'll find features on plenty of South Australians and Victorians for the upcoming year. Finally, make sure you follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Search for Rookie Me Central. I'm your host, Peter Williams, and this is Game Sense. Thanks for listening, and we hope you tune in next week.